So, one of the um, one of the most important things for for our children to learn is the discipline of deferred gratification. Now, hopefully, all of us know what that means. It, it means that uh, there are some things in life that we work for and we struggle for and we labor for, but we, we don't get the fruits right away. Um, it's a matter of self-discipline. The, the payoff is a little bit down the road. Um, uh, children who never master the discipline of deferred, uh, self, uh, deferred gratification, um, they, um, they can't save money for a future goal. Uh, they want to have it all now. And in school, they, they can't labor over some mathematics class or some difficult teacher or some other student, or, you know, because they just don't have the patience and, and so they won't get the, uh, the diploma. They want somebody to give them the diploma now and the job now and the skills of the big paycheck now. Uh, without learning the discipline of deferred gratification, people are trapped um, in a world of small accomplishments and debts and disappointments. You'll see where that's going in just a few moments. Uh, this morning is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and we're going to look again at some of the famous births of Bethlehem. The first, you recall, was the birth of Benjamin. Uh, born of Jacob and the dying Rachel. The second was uh, Obed, the son of Ruth, um, in, uh, by Boaz, her kinsman redeemer. Now, pressing on, Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David, also born in Bethlehem. And that's who we're going to look at this morning. David, the shepherd king, who was a preeminent type or picture, a shadow of um, the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's uh, look at the 16th chapter of the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel. Sam, 1 Samuel chapter 16. And you'll want to follow along in the text in your Bibles. 1 Samuel 16, the first 13, first 13 verses. 1 Samuel 16, the word of God. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn and with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king amongst his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peacefully? And he said, Peacefully. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves 
and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his statue, for I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And, the, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him. For he will not, uh, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. <clears throat> so, um, the young man, David, is anointed uh, by the great prophet Samuel. Uh, David is to ascend to the throne of all Israel, become her most celebrated uh, and powerful and beloved king. But, did you notice? Where's the crown? Where's the, where's the coronation ceremony? Where's all the honors? Did we miss that? Did I somehow read over that in the text? Well, I did not. Look again at the, uh, at the end of the day. It appears that David is simply sent back to care for the sheep. And Samuel returns and go back, goes back to Ramah. And, and David might have wondered to himself... Well, what was this all about? Uh, if he only knew. The way to the throne, though promised and sure and certain, was by God's design only to be reached through serving and suffering and waiting. Remember those words. He would get to the throne, but it was by God's design to be a long sanctifying journey of preparation and, yes, deferred gratification. Well, let's take a look at the text. First, looking at David and serving. He began uh, his life uh, serving as the family shepherd of the sheep. And we know from conversations uh, with Saul in chapter 17... Uh, that it must, he must have done that for some time. 
And, and he learned a great deal of courage from it. But it was a very low place of service, after all. A place to learn humility. David was the youngest and perhaps the smallest in stature in a large family and generally disregarded, left to watch the sheep when the family gathered, for example, to meet with the celebrated prophet Samuel. Uh, didn't they think it important enough to, that he should be present? Uh, he had to be remembered and, and inquired after and actually specially sent for. Uh, for some time after Samuel's departure, uh, David was uh, called sometime later, he was called to serve Saul, whom God had rejected as king. But, but that was not easy service either, uh, nor was his efforts uh, very much appreciated. His excellent service uh, to King Saul was rewarded with jealousy and hatred. He spared the very life of Saul on two occasions for which he was rewarded with further efforts against his life. He rescued the entire city of Calah from attack by the Philistines and was rewarded by the citizens of that fine city with betrayal. Uh, fleeing Saul and gathering about him a band of men around him, he continued to serve others for which he was very poorly paid for his troubles. You may remember Nabal, for example, uh, who returned his fine services, guarding, uh, being a wall uh, against uh, robbers and thieves and marauding bands, and guarding his flocks and shepherds, and he got nothing in return but insults. For David... Uh, the road to the throne was clearly that of a servant. And, and suffering. Um, David, uh, did, Psalm, did Samuel tell David at his anointing how he would suffer for the throne to become the great king of, of Israel? Uh, David suffered in many ways. He, he, he suffered even from the hands of his own family who thought him proud and, and lazy. He, he suffered at the hands of Saul, as we've discovered, who chased him and harried him all around the countryside like a hunted animal sleeping in caves and tortured with hunger and thirst. And after Saul's death, he, he continued to be compelled to battle his way to the throne, suffering the death of his precious friend Jonathan and, and with endless internecine squabbles amongst his lieutenants. Later, he suffered at the hands of his own son, Absalom, whom he deeply loved, but remember, who raised up a, a rebellion against him, seeking to seize the throne and displace him, his own father, the king. And in his battle for his life and, and for the throne on that occasion, you remember David suffered insults and privations, especially he suffered over the death of his beloved son. whom He tried to intentionally spare, uh, even to the very end, which no one understood. For David, the throne, the road to the throne was certainly not only one of service, but one of great suffering and waiting. Um, David was promised the throne, but how long would it be before he saw it happen? You may have had things in your life that seemed to take so long to come about. Um, he may have been um, as many as eight or nine years uh, being chased around the countryside by Saul. And after Saul's death, his, his fellow tribes and the people of Judah crowned him. But that was only one, that was only one tribe, uh, not the entire nation. That was not the throne that God promised him. And David was 
30 by then and still not the king of Israel. In fact, he would rule for <clears throat> yet another seven and a half years in Hebron uh, before those loyal to Saul and his son were defeated and the entire nation finally submitted to him. And even then, he had to continue fighting to dislodge the Jebusites in order to, uh, to have the fortified city of Jerusalem. David was anointed king as a young man. God promised him the kingdom, but the road to the throne, again, was not short or easy. He served, he suffered, he waited for many years before he came into his kingdom. Not unlike the Lord Jesus. It seemed hard and ironic that David should have to serve so hard and suffer so much and wait so long for the throne that was promised him by God, how much more so and how much truer that was in the case even of our Lord Jesus, of whom indeed David was a shadow or a type. Now, Jesus was certainly a servant, wasn't he? Now, the king of heaven, treated like David as a servant from the very outset. You, you may remember in the text a little detail that when that when Samuel came to Bethlehem, um, the elders of the city came trembling to him. Uh, he was uh, often the bearer of bad news and hard things. And, um, and they came anxious to see if he uh, came in, in peace. Um, they said, are, are, have you come in, in peace? And they wondered if he had not come to pronounce some judgment upon God, upon them and their cities. And surely... When the Lord Jesus, the third person of the Trinity, came into the world, men had reason to tremble. They might well have wondered if God had not finally come to bring judgment when he arrived in Bethlehem. John the Baptist, you remember, had threatened and, and, and promised that very thing. When he was preaching to the crowds, he said, his winnowing fork, his winnowing fork is, um, is in his hand. And he will clear the threshing floor and he will gather the wheat to the barn and burn the shaft with unquenchable fire. John was a straightforward sort of guy. And um, he was not wrong to prophesy that the Lord would one day and will one day return to judge the nations with fire. He was simply uh, prophetically foreshortening or telescoping together the first and second coming of Christ, the Old Testament prophets often did that. But mercifully, Jesus came um, first as the Savior and as a servant to tenderly draw us, to draw his people to himself in love. Jesus came to Bethlehem like Samuel in peace. As he explained to his apostles, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And yet, how was this uh, merciful servant Jesus received? <laughs> when Jesus came, being nothing less than the eternal Son of God, would it have been too much for him to be treated and expected to be treated like the, the king that he was? Would it have been too much for men to tremble a little bit and serve him as the, as, as the Son of God? But of course they did nothing of the sort. Uh, although he came in great humility as a helpless infant, uh, Christ, he did, the very Son of God, also took 
the place of a servant. Uh, to our eternal shame, his service to men and women on earth was received with as little gratitude as that of King David. He healed the sick. He, he, he drove out demons. He gave sight to the blind. He healed lepers. He, he raised people from the dead and preached the gospel and to men and women and showed them the way of life. And what did he get for it? He got hatred and he got curses and he got a Roman cross on Calvary. And most people, don't you know, still name, use his name as a sort of curse word. Yeah. Christ came like David as a servant. And he suffered. He suffered for, uh, for his throne. He suffered to be born in such a low estate of, of a poor parents in a, in a small, forgotten, no-count village. Galilee of the Gentiles. It was the pejorative nickname given it. Certainly an inauspicious start for the king of the ages. And Jesus suffered the infirmities of this life. He, he knew what it was to suffer in this life. He had a human body. He, he saw firsthand also the meanness of the world in which uh, he was born. Uh, he was ridiculed himself and denied and spat upon and judged by, by mortal men with hard hearts and little minds. Now Christ uh, suffered over the unfaithfulness of his people. His heart broke over the miseries of this life and especially such as we bring upon ourselves with our lust and our anger and our pride. And our Lord Jesus suffered on the cross. The, the agonies of death and especially, and how could we ever understand this, especially he suffered the holy wrath and indignation uh, uh, the righteous condemnation of God the Father for the sin of all of his people, every one of us. Christ suffered the pains of hell. He suffered more than we will ever know. And he waited too, like David, and only more so. From the beginning of time, uh, before time began, uh, when the, the councils of eternity determined what would happen, even there in the garden, he waited, uh, waited uh, for that time through the ages uh, until the time had fully come to be born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, to make us sons. He waited together with all the host of heaven uh, on the throne where he finally sits, the victorious and resurrected Lord. He waited. And do you know that even now, even now, he awaits for yet a better day, uh, a day with higher honors and even a greater throne on the glorious return of our Lord when he comes and returns with all of his saints. Even now, our Lord Jesus awaits, actively awaits for the full number of God's people uh, to be to be called, to be saved and brought in. Uh, and, 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 and even in heaven, uh, people are waiting, especially the martyrs, we're told, who have given their life for Christ through the ages. They are especially impatient, and I say that on the authority of Scripture. Uh, for we're told in, in Revelation 6.10, where they cry out and they say, How long, O Sovereign Lord? Until you judge, holy and true, we said, they say of him, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. And they were given, we're told, yet 
um, a, a, a white robe and told to wait a little longer. Waiting patiently for that day, known only to God the Father, when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Waiting for that day when we'll all be caught up together with the Lord in the air to meet the saints. So we'll be with the Lord forever. Well, what about us? What about now until that day uh, that brings us that deferred gratification. Because like um, David and like the Lord Jesus, you and I uh, who are saved and who belong to the Lord Jesus, we too have been promised a throne. Uh, but uh, not by works. Um, Jesus promises in Revelation 3.21, to him who overcomes, uh, I will give the right to sit with me on the throne as I overcame and sat down with my father. yes. But it will be by God's grace. Uh, believers, you and I are, are promised a throne. We're promised a special place, a place of honor in heaven for eternity. But that throne, for us, will only also be reached on the familiar road of serving and suffering and waiting, even as the Lord Jesus. Now, don't misunderstand me. David did not qualify uh, for the throne in Israel. He didn't merit the honors of a king. God simply chose him, and it was God who gave him that throne. And the serving and the suffering and the waiting were nothing more than the means by which uh, David was prepared for what God had already, by his divine plan and decree, uh, had set. And so with ourselves. We don't earn a place in heaven by what we do or suffer in our lives or our patience. God simply chooses us, chooses us um, um, calling us out of darkness into his wonderful life, sets his love upon us. But like David, and indeed like Christ, we are told uh, that, uh, who, who, you remember, Jesus, we're told, was made perfect by his sufferings. And so we also are prepared for the honors of heaven through our serving and our suffering and our waiting here on earth. Uh, Jesus disciplines and prepares his people in this way, making them fit for heaven. So it's the same hard road. As God's people, looking uh, like David for our throne, we should know that we too are called to be servants. Uh, the word of the Lord uh, tells us, Jesus said, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not uh, serve, uh, did, you know, served and gave his life as a ransom for many. Um, are you a child of God who's looking for your throne in heaven? You will have that throne in heaven. But know that in this life, God has called you as Christians to be servants more than any other people in the world. I don't know what God calls other people to do, but I know what God calls us to do. He calls us to cheerfully take the lower place. He calls us to, to raise up others, not ourselves, to places of prominence. Do you serve others cheerfully? Or do you expect to be served? Is your home a place of service or is it uh, your country club? 
where you expect uh, to be waited upon. If God called David, a man after his own heart, even his own son, the Lord Jesus, to be a servant, should we expect or even desire anything else ourselves? Now that I, your Lord and service and teacher, have washed your feet, said Jesus to his disciples, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example um, that you should do as I have done to you. You and I are called to serve the church. We're called to serve the world. We're called to serve one another. That the gospel might be dressed in such love and such sacrificial good works that men will be compelled to give it a hearing. Um, there is a throne for us in heaven, but it's not ours yet. God has purpose for us to serve and, and yet to suffer. We do not suffer. We don't suffer, suffer the way Christ suffered for our sins as his people. But we're told that we do share in the sufferings of Christ, in part even just by bearing the shame of his name. If there are some who despise us for being named or despise you for calling yourself a Christian and taking the name of the Lord on your lips, if there's, if there's some who are offended by the gospel, if there's some who, who sort of scorn and ridicule you and look upon you as as weak and simple, um, well, we, we will bear that suffering uh, that they may choose to bring upon us and stand unashamed with others who suffer and rejoice in other places and count it to be a blessing uh, to be worthy of suffering for Christ. Oh, we also uh, suffer over our own sins which so easily entangle us and, and we grieve in our hearts uh, with the sins of others living in a sinful world and filled with selfishness and violence and, and misery. We, we suffer uh, with sin-cursed bodies that, that are stricken and fall apart and hurt, sometimes in early youth even. And while by God's grace we, we may enjoy, and will enjoy, and have enjoyed many happy hours in this life, we are called... Uh, to, to wait patiently and, and to serve and to suffer as may best serve the purposes of God which he has prepared for us. And we, we might easily grow impatient, uh, especially as the, as the pleasures of this life grow dimmer in the harsh light of age and weakness and disappointment. And we say to ourselves, well, where is it? But God says, Wait. My servants will serve my pleasure best in waiting. Deferred gratification. There's a throne for you who love the Lord Jesus. But you must serve and suffer and wait to obtain it. But finally, listen to these words of verse 13 that we read. The text has an interesting text. Uh, turn to it where we're told that Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, that is David, uh, in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. That's worth noticing. Likewise, because our Lord has appointed, uh, anointed you with the Spirit uh, and 
that same Lord who came down in the form of a dove in the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ as he was to press forward with, with his messianic chore, so you and I must also learn to rest not upon ourselves, but upon the same power of God, the Holy Spirit, with which you also were anointed when you received that gift of God at your conversion, and by which he will give you sufficient grace to serve and suffer and wait while you glorify God in this life for as many days as he'll give you. Let's pray. Lord our God, in these verses we, we see a paradigm, we see a picture, we, we're reminded of a truth, truth, that all things don't come, that your kingdom is coming and has come, but its fullness is yet to come and, and we will serve and are called to serve and, and often to suffer and, Lord, to wait. But we wait with great expectation and we wait with joy and we thank you for your precious promises and we thank you for your spirit that enables us in all of these things. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.